Hey, Grace. Yeah, David? Do you want to go back? Back where? Back to the best. Back to the best? Back to the best. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Back to the Best. I'm David. And I'm Grace, and this is our podcast where we talk about all the best things from the 90s to the 2000s, which is also known as The Best Times. All our first-time listeners, welcome to all our former besties returning. Welcome back. Welcome back, you guys. We're so happy you're here. I'm so happy. Uh, It's another week. We're still making it through every day, one day at a time. But just filling it with all of the 90s to 2000s happiness that we possibly can. People think that we just sit around and live like we are in the 90s. Honestly, I would love it if people thought that. 2000s. Like, what if we still had flip phones? Like a razor. I had a razor. Who's honking outside? Guys, we're going to podcast. Oh my God, the actual nerve. Oh, that, this just took me back to all of the recording in the car days, which was pretty much every time we recorded without a guest. And we would always have to stop because somebody would whiz by or a truck would come by or somebody would honk or walk really close to the car and we always would have to stop. Remember that day there was actually a search? There was a helicopter? God, I thought we were gonna be suspects <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say god i just thought we were done for i mean the things that we've gone through just to- <laughs> truly you guys we <laughs> we risk our lives to get these <laughs> podcast episodes out to you we were almost arrested for doing nothing wrong and the nice thing is that we have audio f- recordings of the whole thing to prove that we didn't do anything wrong. We are just mere sta- stand buyers, bystanders. <laughs> stand buyers. No. Yeah, we even have a video. I remember, I think there was a video that one of us took on our phones with our microphones in hand. Oh, remember our microphones? I did a TikTok with one of the microphones the other night and it just felt so weird to hold it. Oh, we really miss them. Hopefully one day soon. Anyway, how are you? How was your week? Tell us everything. Oh, wow. Um, you know, my week uh, was is good. It's fine. I Oh, uh, my couches have finally shipped. So after a month of just sitting on a futon, I'm going to have a couch soon. Oh, thank God. Oh, David spent quite the quite the time in Ikea yesterday. Oh my God, you guys. So as you all know, or if this is your first time, hi, uh, I moved recently and I had gone to Ikea because I needed some new furniture and I bought a plant because I decided to go with like kind of like a green theme for my bedroom. And the plant was labeled on a thing that said $14.99. I got home, realized that I got charged $50 and some change. So it just wasn't worth that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a couple weeks, let Ikea's crowds die down, and then I'll go back. So I went back yesterday, stood in line for two and a half hours to get my $50 back. I was had texted David a few times throughout, and what my jaw was on the floor when you said you were still there. So it was one of those things where 
the line didn't look that long, but they only had a couple people working the returns line. And so then after the first hour, you're not going to leave. No, you, you've committed. You've already been there too long. It was fine. I was still like, I was texting you about podcast stuff. I was like doing work stuff on my phone. So, I mean, I just. You're, you're I, never recover. But other than that. Yeah, I just prefer to work in a tent at Ikea. You prefer to get everything done on your to-do list at Ikea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not, I, I, not shopping at Ikea, just standing outside of it in a tent. Just like a subtle distance away from Ikea, like not really in Ikea, but near an Ikea. Mm-hmm. You just, you thrive in the, in the distance around an Ikea. Oh, I mean, my God. So that's really been the highlight of my week. <laughs> well, I can't say that I um, waited in a line at Ikea, but... What lines? I mean, I think the only lines I've been waiting in are still like Trader Joe's lines. Not many places, because not many places are open. If Where we live, things shut down again. Like, a lot of things. Yeah, she, um, the fall, uh, what's it called? The fall second wave, everyone was like, oh, it's going to happen in the fall. It happened in July. Yes, yes. And a lot of people were even saying, like, it's being called a second wave, but it's still the first wave. Like, it's still the first. Remember when everyone was like, oh, the peak is coming next week, and then we're going to all go down. I know. I think what happened was things opened, and people just, like, were over it. So they just started going crazy, not masks, and acting like nothing was going on. And then the numbers just shot up like shot up Uh, we both got tested this week yeah david and i both got tested and thankfully we are both negative when tim and i went we had to stick it up our nose ourselves which was a very interesting um time i can't say i've ever done that yeah i just did the mouth one at dodger stadium yeah we tried that but it was completely booked up because again the numbers went up so much um, in California that I think people just started going to get tested like crazy. Um, but we were able to get tested, which is all that matters. And yeah, I just think, I don't know. I think things opened way too soon and then we had to backtrack, which was not a really good look for the state. Like it wasn't a great look. No, no, they could have done a lot better, but you know what? As long as everybody just does their part and takes it seriously, you'll, you could save yourself and other people because you just don't know who it's going to affect. But we do hope everybody's staying safe and that you and your families are doing okay. And thank you for listening. And enough, we, we start every episode with our corona thoughts, but enough about that. Scary movie just turned 20. <laughs> Scary movie turned 20. We made a post about it on our Instagram because why the heck wouldn't we? We love that movie. We, lo- we love pretty much anything Anna Ferris does. Oh, God, I love her. I love Anna Ferris. I think she is so funny. The House Bunny is one of my favorite movies. I love the movie Just Friends. And she, she's hilarious in everything that she does. And I remember when David and I used to be tour guides, I would, whenever I would pass her stage for mom, if she was outside, she would always wave, and she was always so nice. 
and so happy. And she was just, she just seems like a really, really great person. She would always tell uh, our tour guests to tip us, which honestly made our lives. I know. She's really great. Another movie that we love, um, didn't celebrate an anniversary right now, but we posted about its anniversary in May, is the Lizzie McGuire movie. Have you guys heard of it? It's just like a little, it's just like a little movie, you know, you might have heard of Lizzie McGuire. Not, we never, never talk about it. We never talk about it. Like, it's not a constant conversation topic of ours. Uh, and it's not like we both own it on DVD and have, you know, never tried to visit, like, Lizzie McGuire's house. No, we would never do that. But you know what we would do? We would... Sit down, we'll sit down through Zoom and interview the director of the Lizzie McGuire movie. So something we would do. That is so something we would do. You guys, we can't even keep this up anymore. You know our love for Lizzie and the Lizzie McGuire movie. We are so excited for you to hear this episode. You obviously see it from the title, but today we sit down with Jim Fall, who directed the Lizzie McGuire movie. You guys, if this is your first time ever listening to our podcast, we're not joking. We have talked about the Lizzie McGuire show, the Lizzie McGuire movie, just so many times. We've done YouTube videos about it, podcasts about it, and we were thrilled to have Jim join us. Yes, it's such a great episode. He had amazing things to say about the whole process of the movie, working with the cast. We always say this, but you're, you're really not going to want to miss this one, especially if you're a Lizzie fan, which we know a lot of our listeners are because we all love Lizzie. The most like Instagram like DMs or actual correspondence has been with people just messaging us their feelings about Lizzie McGuire. Oh my God. Cause it's the best, but we're going to, okay, we're going to, we're going to stop telling you how great it is. We're going to let you listen to it and experience how great it is and how great Jim is. Here it is. Hi guys. It's great. How's it going? Thank you so much for doing this by the way. My pleasure. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I feel like I've done, I've done two already. I hope I don't repeat myself and tell the same stories again. But Aww. listen, you know, whatever. We're Great. very excited. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell any story you want. We don't okay. mind at all. <laughs> good, good. good. <laughs> well, thank you again for doing this. We, of course, have some questions we would love to ask you. Sure. Um, well, first, how have you been doing in quarantine? Are you, is ever, are you okay? Are you healthy? Is everybody healthy? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's just frustrating, you know, for everybody. But uh, uh, we live in downtown Los Angeles, and uh, we, were, we were very near the riots when they first started here. So it was actually rather frightening, although we were just a few blocks away with them. They just, I don't know, didn't manage to come this far over. So uh, it was such a crazy, scary uh, time then, you know, kind of believing in the cause, but seeing it get, you know, mutated by by some of the other crazy people who felt, you know, hell bent on just destroying stuff. But um, yeah. But that aside, things have calmed down, and um, my partner Brian and I are are fine. Luckily, he's a good cook. Luckily, I can eat. So <laughs> it's definitely a plus. <laughs> That's a plus. Um, yeah, everyone I know so far is safe and sound, so. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, I feel like if you were, had to quarantine with someone who can cook or can cut hair, you're in a good spot. I know, luckily, <laughs> I don't have hair to cut, so it's, 
that has not been an issue for Another me. plus. You're having the <laughs> best plus. quarantine ever. Like the <laughs> best quarantine. I mean, that's horrible to say, but. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I don't have haircutting issues. I've let the beard get a little long, but whatever. Whatever. It's a weird time. <laughs> well, good. How are you guys Bye. doing? Where are you guys exactly? Where are you? We're not too far apart. I'm in Studio City. She's in North Hollywood. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're both, we, David actually just moved. We used to live even closer. <laughs> yeah, we were like probably three streets apart and yeah. now it's like a whole mile. So yeah. it's really rough. It's, oh, we're struggling. Yeah, but we're good. Just waiting for, I don't even know what we're waiting for anymore. Things change every day, it seems. I know, I know. That's what was a little depressing was it felt, Although I didn't feel all that comfortable about it, but it felt like things may be getting a little better. And then, you know, as everyone predicted, it all spiked and people mm -hmm. are now, you know, so we've got to stay home as much as possible and be safe. And yeah, it's depressing. It's depressing too, because yeah. I, I want to make another movie. I had a, a sequel to my first movie, Trick in the Works, and it got delayed for other reasons. And then right when we were ready to get it rolling again, you know, the pandemic the pandemic it's like it's yeah okay all right <laughs> not now it's, yeah it's really not just going to change everything like especially with production how are you ever going to have people in a scene together you know like so yeah. many things are going to change but i know hopefully i know i mean it, it has to it has to we have to be able to do it again and it may have to do with um you know, obviously it has to do with testing and and, and a, va a vaccine and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know. Yeah. I, I know. know. It's we're let's just we're all hoping for the best, obviously. And yeah. Yeah. Stay, staying home as long as we have to. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Although we are going to a screening of Jaws at the Rose Bowl today, tonight. But it, but um, we stay in the car. It's, it, they've done a makeshift drive-in theater, and Brian got tickets, luckily, and so uh, we're gonna sit. We're gonna tailgate and That's you know watch Jaws from the that car, from the very car. <laughs> that car? The whole day in your car? <laughs> gonna spend the whole day in here, I'm not gonna leave. Wait, that's so fun. I didn't even know they were doing that. That's a great idea. Yeah, I also saw an article that Walmarts are doing drive-in theaters now in their parking lots. So wow. hey, I'm not sure where people can pee, but I don't know, you know, who knows? Everyone goes into Walmart. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 we're, tr we're trying to keep you in your cars. We're not, right. don't come in. <laughs> right. Everyone's getting creative for sure. Right. Oh. Well, we'd love to ask you some questions about your career, if that's all right. Sure. sure. Um, so we'd love to know how you, how you even got started in this industry or how you got involved with it. Well, I mean, just movie making in general. I've always wanted to make movies, but I was kind of naive for a very long time. I mean, I didn't get my first feature film made until I was 35. So I'd already dropped out of NYU undergrad. I went to NYU. I went to Temple University my freshman year because uh, I couldn't get into NYU or USC. I really wanted to come out here first. Um, and in a weird way, I guess I, I'm glad I didn't because things work out for the best, you know, because um, my grades weren't were actively mediocre. <laughs> so uh, I went to Temple University in Philadelphia, which I loved, and then transferred to NYU and then stayed in New York City for 18 years. And uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, dropped out of film school because I kind of hated it and I was really impatient. I'm not proud of the fact that I dropped out, but at the same time, um, uh, you know, I was, I was working, I was, I was a production assistant on the Daytime Emmy Awards and on the uh, Macy's Day Parade, this is back in the 80s. 
Um, so I was, I was working, so I wanted to get the hell out of school. Um, but still, I didn't know how to really get a movie made. Um, but I was always, always working in the industry, mostly as a production assistant, and then, then stumbled into directing theater for, for a while. When I say theater, I mean like, you know, way off Broadway, off, 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 like really <laughs> wacky, wacky little shows. And that was just a trial by error experience learning how to direct. But it, it got me um, working with actors, you know, more than I ha had in film school. So that was really great. And then we made these this little show. These little shows were doing well in their own way. And it just sort of light bulb went off. Like, well, why can't I make a movie then? I, if I can do this with theater. And when I say well, I mean, it was a tiny theater where, you know, if we were lucky to get 15 people in the audience. But it, <laughs> it, it was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so cut to still directing theater around 1994 I directed a show that I co-wrote with my friend Robin Kerrigan called Blood Orgy of the Carnival Queens a classic and Miss <laughs> um, Coco the drag queen who ended up being in Trick my very first movie was in that also but luckily one of the actors had read an early version of the script that turned out to be my first movie called Trick that Tori Spelling was in and Miss Coco was in and went to Sundance and basically started my career and that was 1999. So it took oh, a wow. long time. It took me a long time. Wow, that's amazing. So you kind of fell into directing? Like, did you always aspire to do that or it just kind of happened? No, I did. I, I did aspire to. I, want, I went to film school and wanted to direct. I just didn't understand how. And it, mm. you know, I wish I had learned to write sooner because I think writing is really what gets you into the business and knowing how to tell a story is really important and that's what you do as a director and something i left out is i worked for um alan pakula who's a film director uh who directed sophie's choice and all the president's oh. men and and was a producer on to kill a mockingbird way back when and so that was the new york job i had in the early 90s and it was a wonderful experience because it got me uh i was a development assistant to the vp it was just him and me and i was you know you had to read back then all of publishing was in New York City and you had to read like 400 page, you know, Xeroxed copies of novels overnight and then do coverage on it the next day. It was, you know, and I'm a slow reader. I'm basically dyslexic. So it was really challenging, but it taught me a lot about storytelling and, and what makes a good movie and why movies get sold and what they don't. And so that was instrumental also. And I also worked for Sand Dollar in New York City, which was Dolly Parton and Sandy Gallen's company. Love Dolly they produced... Uh, <laughs> Um, well, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, um, Father of the Bride, the movie. And so that was all the New York offices, though. I didn't get to really meet these people. I didn't meet Dolly, but because we were like the bastard child. We were all these companies, you know, we had, there were offices in New York City because that's where publishing was. And everyone needed mm. to get their hands on these novels. So, wow. Well, that's everything so cool. you just said, we love. David loves Dolly. <laughs> David loves Buffy. I love Father of the Bride. <laughs> <laughs> that whole sentence. I wish I could say I met Dolly. She never came in the office, but it was fun, you know. Uh, um, well, we also love Tori Spelling. What was it like working with her? You know, she was a dream. I mean, again, it was my first movie. Most of the people in Trick, um, well, not most, a, a lot of them were actual friends or people I knew and I cast because I knew they'd be funny. Um, and the role of Catherine that Tori ended up playing uh, you know, it was one of those things where the one of my producers suggested Tori Spelling 
and I had no baggage about her. People were already loving to make fun of her because of the nepotism. And, you know, so that was already a thing, but I had actually never even seen 90210. So I had no, okay. I had no preconceived notion. I thought she was the right type. And I said, if she, if she will audition, if she will audition for me and if she's great, she gets the part. And I knew full well that she was a name that it would help us, but um, I wasn't going to just hand it over to someone who couldn't act. So she, uh, she was wonderful and gracious. And I came out to LA and she did the diner scene. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but there's a, she has a meltdown in a diner at the last scene. I just scene. watched that this morning. <laughs> she's, she's hysterical. And she basically did that scene for me verbatim. Uh, I forget where we met. I think it was an apartment or maybe her manager's apartment. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, this girl's funny. She gets it. She's willing to play an actress who, you know, is supposed to be questionably talented. And I know in the real world, she was being challenged about her own talent, you know? So she was just wonderful. And she's been, she's been, you know, she's been great. I, uh, she was, I'm so proud of her and her performance in the movie. Oh, that's so great to hear. And you said yeah. you, you were work, you want to work on a second one to that, you said, but obviously it's hard to do it right now. Yeah, I mean, we were all geared up to get it going. I had written, I didn't write Trick, the first movie. Um, a writer named Jason Schaefer wrote it. Uh, I wrote a sequel that I've been, that uh, is completed. We did a reading of the screenplay now almost two years ago with everybody's, everybody's back, Tori, all the, the whole cast are back. It oh went my. really well. Um, but then we hit, we hit some bumps in the road. Well, first of all, the exciting thing is we got all this press really fast from this reading. And we were nowhere near ready to make the movie. We had no money raised. It was just a reading for me to hear the script. But the good news was it was nice that the gay press was like excited about my sequel. Um, at the same time, I think it gave everyone the, the impression that we were like about to shoot or it already existed. And it, it doesn't. <laughs> um, then we hit some roadblocks with, the, with some ancient contracts from 20 years ago that we had to go back and refix and renegotiate some things with, with the original writer. And just like after 20 years, it's just missing paperwork. It's just, you realize uh -huh. it's just, it's like some of the chain of title is messy. So by the time we cleared all that up, the COVID happened. And now we're like, all right, I guess it'll be the 25th anniversary of the movie by the time we yeah. get it made. And my cast will be, you know, 60, but whatever. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully soon. It's so sad. I know. Oh. I know. Hopefully soon. Yeah. But we're ready to go when we can actually do it. I know. I feel like there's going to be so many projects when everyone gets the green light because everyone's oh having this time. I know. Oh, everyone's I just know. So I think eager. it may be hard to find crew because everyone's going to, you know, of course, want to take the higher paying stuff. And our movie is still going to be a relatively low budget film. I mean, we're hopefully, hopefully we're budgeted at basically one point something million. If, and that's a lot, really. But it's, you know, we'll see. who knows? So much yeah. is in the air. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're hoping for the best for it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we would love to ask you about the Lizzie McGuire movie. Yes. Huge fans. Um, how, <laughs> how did Me you get too. involved in that? How did that happen? Well, uh, I made Trick and it went to Sundance and it sold, you know, right away. Fine Line Features distributed it. And then, you know, we all, everyone from Trick moved to Los Angeles. We all packed our bags. I moved to LA, we're, you know, year 2000 and you know you get you get an agent and you start making the rounds everyone there's like this bubble around you when you've got a movie that you know was at Sundance and got good reviews so you basically are trotted around LA and you meet everybody one by one uh one day and it was 
I guess it was 2002, so almost two years had gone by already. Um, and the Lizzie McGuire movie script, my agent sent it to me, and I was like, what, what the hell is a Lizzie McGuire? I don't even know what this is. I'm like, what? And I, I was part of me, I was like, what? I don't know, what, a, what is this? And then I, I read the script, and it was sweet and funny, and it, and it, was, it took place in Rome, and I had never seen the TV show, but it was basically this charming, you know, class trip to Rome, rom-com with a bunch of musical numbers i'm like like you know checking off everything i love in a movie uh -huh. so i'm like ah, okay I, this is great um and you know of course my, my my agent said you know you need to as a director you need to be vetted as a studio director and so it behooves you to make a studio film um and so uh the, these two wonderful executives at disney karen glass and doug short doug doug had seen trick and loved it and and so had Karen and, you know, Doug was gay. So he also like, you know, and I think they actively wanted a director who wasn't from the TV show. They wanted someone mm -hmm. who actually wanted to make a movie and not just sort of do the TV show thing. And, you know, I was the most out of the box choice. But they also <laughs> told me that I was the most enthusiastic. I, I went in and gave them like five pages of notes. The script needed some work. This is, I said, this is how I would do it. And I left them my notes, which I never did before. I'm not sure why, but I just said, here are my notes. If you don't hire me, you need these. If you do hire me, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. <laughs> and they hired me. It was, yeah, it was thrilling. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What was it like going to Rome for this? Well, it was insane. It was beautiful. I had briefly been to Rome, uh, a, a year or so before for the first time because Trick actually was released in Rome and was dubbed in Italian, which is hilarious. Oh! <laughs> I, met Nicole, I met all the actors who did the dubbing for my first, so I, I had been in Rome briefly, uh, but never to shoot a movie. So, you know, it's, it's as wonderful as you think it is. You get yeah. to go on a location scout for two weeks and just they take you everywhere wonderful that you want to shoot and then you get to shoot in this beautiful city and we were lucky with the weather it only rained one day in a month and that was amazing and every it was all amazing it was just amazing wow i was in rome two years ago with my mom and like you know it's like all this ancient history and everywhere i went i was like okay so this is where lizzie threw the quarter in <laughs> and i was like okay lizzie ran up and down these stairs <laughs> and you know i was yeah I, did, I was doing my rome research too you know the you know, I don't know if you know, but there's an old, I'm dating myself, but there's an old song way from, well, before my time, actually, from the 50s, called Three Coins in a Fountain. And mm. it's, uh, that's why those girls throw, there's three coins that the, the girls throw in the fountain. Um, right? Am I, I'm not mixing that. Yeah, three, there's three coins. <laughs> anyway, that was a subtle reference to Three Coins in the Fountain, which is a song about throwing okay. coins mm. in the Trevi Fountain. Um, and, you know, uh, Roman Holiday with, with uh, Gregory Peck and uh, Audrey Hepburn, you know, they're riding around on a Vespa. So I did, of course, I did the Vespa oh. thing. And, you know. That was the uh, best part. We loved that. I, I want to go on a Vespa so bad. <laughs> Just because of that? <laughs> Just because of that. <laughs> you, wanted to, you wanted to meet a, a creepy Italian pop star who steals your underage friend. I <laughs> mean, it just a... checks it all just the boxes. Seems, yeah, it seems so like it could happen to anyone. It really could. <laughs> I know, you know, it's funny now, looking back on it, it is a little bit like, would they even make this movie now where some <laughs> stranger takes her away all day? And like, even at the time, I remember thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> That's so, because she was in what? She graduated eighth grade at the beginning, so she was young, yeah. 
was 15 and he, you know, the actor was slightly older, but you know, we have a, that's why there's a line shoved in there where she goes, and he's 17. Cause we wanted to make sure people knew he was 17 in the movie. Yeah. Although, I'm oh, pretty sure funny. Yanni was 19 or 20 at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. How long were you there? So how long was the shoot for the movie? The, um, we spent a lot of prep in Vancouver. All, everything that's inside, all the interiors, including that beautiful hotel was built in Vancouver. That, that whole lobby oh. is all not marble. That's all painted wood. It looks amazing. My, my set designer, anything inside was the set. So while all that was being built in Vancouver, we went to Rome and it was most of October and some of November. It was pretty much a month. We were basically a month in Rome. And then we came back and shot all the interiors. But there are certain sequences in the movie that are funny because I know that like it cuts between Rome and Vancouver and Rome and Vancouver and you don't really know. I mean, I did a live, um, I did a live screening of the movie uh, a couple years back where I did a live director's commentary. And it really is funny how many times we cut back and forth between interior, I mean, from Rome versus Vancouver within a sequence, like the bus sequence when, when they're driving, when they're racing back to the hotel, the interior of the bus where Gordor is sitting is, is um, Vancouver, actually. But when he looks out the window and sees the Vespa, that's actually was shot in, in Rome. Oh, anyway, wow. So lots of stuff like that over and over. Yeah. We had no idea. No, that's <laughs> so funny. Us. That's yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I know that you had said you didn't watch the original show, but was right. there, like, what was it like knowing that when you found out how popular that show was? Like, what was that like? Well, I mean, I knew the show was popular, obviously, because they wanted to make a feature film movie. But at the same time, um, you know, I and, I and I was trusting that the writers were being true to the story because I didn't have three seasons of the Lizzie McGuire show fresh in my head, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming that what they've written that's been vetted by Disney is what, what you know. So, so luckily it was. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, um, well, it was just exciting. It was exciting to be part of a, of a thing that everyone seemed to love. You know, at the same time, I mean, it opened number two at the box office that weekend against um, X-Men 2, wow. you know, <laughs> uh, which was huge. Um, you know, it, I, I think the audience ultimately was a little limited initially because it really was just the people and the kids who like the show and whereas like an X-Men can go on forever because everyone loves sci-fi. But it made it made its money back and it, it was successful and they were already going to do a sequel, but then it didn't, um, it didn't, it didn't uh, happen. Yeah. We hope for it every day. Bring it back now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they announced a sequel to the movie in the trades back then that they were oh, already wow. going to do it and they were negotiating with Hillary. But uh, I don't think those negotiations <laughs> went well. Oh, no. oh man. They didn't make it. Oh. Well, we have the original and it never gets old. We love it. <laughs> it makes me so happy to hear that because I love the movie. I love the movie. I made the movie for myself. So much of the music are choices I made uh, with my music supervisor, also Elliot Lurie, but um, I'm proud of all the choices. And that's why I think I was the right director for this movie, because I actually love the movie, even the silly, silly parts. And of course, you can poke holes to the story all, all, you know, all day if you want. Sure. But uh, it's a very, it's a sweet, funny musical, you know, suspend your disbelief. Story. <laughs> I tried to keep it as, I tried to keep it grounded, though. I tried to keep everybody in the reality as much as possible. 
I mean, even now we watched it, when was that, back in February, I think we watched it together. And like, even now as adults watching it, it still 100% holds up, in my opinion. <laughs> it's good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. I mean, we even shot it widescreen, like really wide, you know, and that's, that was a little uncommon for a quote unquote kids movie. Mm -hmm. um, it's two, three, five. The aspect ratio is really wide. And that wasn't mm -hmm. that common back then, but Disney was cool with it. And, you know, yeah. What would you say some of the most, is there any like certain scene that comes out uh, is like a very challenging scene to film? You know, the challenging part was dealing with some of, you know, this was early digital stuff. We had some digital effects, like the billboards where you see Paolo and Isabella, even when they drive by in the Vespa and it's moving. Those, all those things were actually really hard to do back in the day because they were, um, so all that stuff I had to storyboard very specifically and I had an amazing effects team that was really wonderful. Um, so, you know, challenging, it's just like everything in Rome is challenging. You know, it's wonderful to shoot there, but it's really hard. We were shooting in all the most populated tourist areas and like the Trevi Fountain, like they weren't going to close it off for us. We got this little part where our extras were right there, but everybody, there was like mobs of people behind and around us. It's the same with the Spanish steps when she does her cartwheel and she looks down and sees the bus. Like the bus is roped off, but there are throngs of people not necessarily there to watch us shoot because we weren't uh -huh. that exciting to look at. But it just was crazy making a movie in a, such a popular, busy, busy place. I'm shocked we got the scenes, the shots we got. Oh my gosh. I mean, I also think watching it, you would expect that if in real life there would be all those people there with Lizzie. So it, it, would, it worked out either way because if yeah. there was nobody there, it would have looked weird. No, exactly, exactly. So it worked out, but it really was, um, I mean, I had a good time, but you know, they, they, the, it's mm -hmm. the production crew are the people that have to deal with the madness. I just have That's to show true. up and make sure I you <laughs> know, get the shot, this scene thing to happen with all yeah. the madness going on behind me, which is like, not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, we'd also love to know just what was it like working with the cast? They, it, was the, it was a mixed bag, mostly great. Um, uh, you know, it was mostly a lot of kids. So you also, you get their parents along with them. Oh, and yeah. So it's an interesting mix of like, you know, all the parents were very different. They were mostly lo lovely people. Um, uh there was, I remember I made, a, I made a, a mistake early on when we were doing some costume fittings on Ashley. Um, her mother was there at the costume fitting. And, you know, what I didn't really think through was they'd already spent three years doing this a million times wow. with her, right? But she had tried something on that actually looked good. And it was this was happening, like, in my peripheral. And, and um, I heard her mother say something that I remember as you look fat in that. Mm. And I remember looking over at Ashley and she looked so sad about it. And I, I literally, I got, it was almost like in my DNA, I got so mad because I'm like, uh -huh. this is, I heard somebody telling my actor that they looked fat. <laughs> oh my God. And I didn't stop to think that's her mother. She's underage. Yeah. I don't, that's not my, like, I don't need to be involved in that necessarily. Uh -huh. But I walked over to her mom and I said, um, you know, please don't talk to her that way. I mean, I don't want, you know, I, I kind of, I, I was right, but I was, yeah. I should have, I should have shut up. That's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it, it kind of, in a way though, it colored the rest of the shoot. But I think it also was a good thing because I think it made them realize I was going to put up with bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, I would have not said something if I had to do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Hillary, Hillary was wonderful to work with. She was like a pro. She knew, she knew her lines. She was always on it. There was never a moment's worry. Um, you know, her <laughs> mom was a little challenging at times. There was a challenge. You know, when you have a stage mom with a, you know, with a successful young daughter, there were mm-hmm. just some, there were some issues, but, uh, you know, I, I did learn my lesson and stepped away from them. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, oh yeah stage moms can be we've all seen dance moms yeah we all know (laughs) can't blame them on one hand but uh yeah one scene we wanted to ask you about is the scene where lizzie tries on all the different costumes how long did a scene like that take to do like with her changing so many times and everything like Um, that that scene I'm opening the door because it's getting hot in here. That scene uh, was really fun. And it was it was a two-day shoot, I think. I think, I'm sorry, the sun is like hitting my, oh, hitting my camera now. That was like a two-day scene. And the beauty of it was David Robinson, uh, my costume designer, came up with those amazing dresses. I mean, I, uh, you know, we needed something for her to wear that looked crazy and fun. And he literally wa- walked in with that blow-up dress that he bought. He bought that igloo just off of some, some, uh, some website and put, put it together and turned it into a blow-up dress. All the other dresses he came up with, created himself. And what's, why he's so amazing is like, you know, he gave me something to film. I mean, blowing up the dress is active. The unraveling is active. The dress, <laughs> you know, the dress pulls up with the, with the curtain thing. Like, so all those things are amazing, fun, visual things that um I I you know I didn't say David make me an igloo dress he like he made <laughs> this wonderful thing the only thing I do remember asking for was during the what dreams are made of sequence the ripaway dress I I remember asking I want a ripaway moment I want to be able to, for that to happen but you know he designed those beautiful those beautiful outfits oh. that have become <laughs> You know, That's like our favorite somewhat, part. I feel like somewhat I, iconic, right? It's we so can good. reenact it. <laughs> <laughs> so could I actually. <laughs> um, did you also have like? Do you have a favorite part of the movie or a favorite scene? Um, I love. This is probably going to sound weird. There's two things. I've asked that question a couple times, and. The, the answer I gave initially was like, I love the scene in the theater where they're singing the ballad and he's mm. teaching her to lip sync. That whole sequence, I just think is really pretty. And I had, it was fun making that. And I think it turned out really lovely. But the moment, the two, the moment that I really love is when she finds out that Paolo is an asshole and she looks over at him and she, he smiles and she tries to smile. And mm-hmm. that little lovely thing wasn't in the script. I, I put that in there because I wanted her to have this moment, you know, where she had to think about it and then turn back and say, okay, so what do we do, basically? Uh-huh. I don't know. I thought Hillary did a beautiful job there. The music, the score is so pretty. Cliff Eidelman did this lovely, beautiful score. 
that's probably my actually my favorite moment and the rip away of the dress. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so we, love, we love the rip away dress. <laughs> <laughs> How was filming the What Dreams Are Made Of uh, scene? Because you had two Hillary's. Yeah. And then what? obviously you weren't inside the Coliseum. <laughs> no. What? Yes, we were. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> the outside is all the Coliseum, by the way. I mean, we really did shoot outside the Coliseum. So all that stuff is real outside. Um, at once they step inside, it's all this big set that, that uh, my uh, set designer, Doug Higgins, designed. So they had these big chunks of fake concrete and stuff. It was, it was big. It was a big set. Um, it was really fun. You know, it's hard. Luckily, we had already been rehearsing the dance number for a long time. And, uh, you know, you have a lot of cameras and you're covering it. So it's a, it's a, it was, a, again, I think it was a two or three day shoot to get it all shot. The hard part was working with, um, well, not hard, but challenging because, you know, when you're working with someone who's 15, you only have them a few hours a day because of the child labor laws. Wow. So we had to have doubles, like almost not only during the dance number, but throughout the movie, every time you do not see Hillary's face, it's not her. Like if you don't mm -hmm. see her face, it ain't her. The feet, the back of her head were all stand-ins and doubles because um, we couldn't afford to, you know, use up her time filming her shoulder, you know, which made it hard on the other actor because by the time we flipped around to do Yanni's close-ups, you know, he had to play opposite a stand-in who wasn't, you know, giving a performance the way Hillary would have been. Mm -hmm. wow. um, so yeah, there are there are dance doubles and there are stand-ins, and you know, it's 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 all because we just didn't. You can't. The the the, the schedule would have been, you know, twice as long. Yeah. To get it all shot. Mm -hmm. So you're saying whenever she's doing the dreams and shimmy, that's not <laughs> Hillary. <laughs> I know, I know, and I that moment is I know, but I. That was a moment I was so happy about because it's it so, is iconic. It's, it's so iconic. Good. I did not realize it would become iconic. I just put it in because it was the peak of the song. I wanted to cut behind her and show the whole thing and then whip back. And so it was just a fun again, it was just my taste in what I thought would just would sell that song because I love that song. Um you know, another thing, you know, there's two different versions of the song. There's one in the movie and the one on the album. The one on the al movie is not on the album uh, mm. because I wanted it to be sounding more live and I wanted those like soaring violins and all that stuff oh. I got put in for the movie. Um, but they, they, of course, love the more pop version for radio play and for the soundtrack. Sure. <clears throat> which makes sense. Yeah. Well, there's not a person that hears that part that does not do this. At that moment, <laughs> no matter who you want, you could be in a room of strangers and everyone will know it. <laughs> well, you know, what, what makes me a little sad in retrospect was I loved that song. Um, you know, Dean Pitchford, um, and I'm always forgetting the other writer, but Dean Pitchford, who wrote uh, Footloose and Fame and all these other mm -hmm. amazing move, songs, wrote, co-wrote the song. And, you know, <clears throat> we were really hoping that Disney would have embraced the song sooner somehow like used yeah. it you know used it i don't know in disneyland i don't know, do something yeah but at the time the lizzie mcguire movie kind of came and went and disney didn't embrace it and then i think because the negotiations with hillary didn't go well that they kind of just like you know all right 
you know, by Lizzie. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't, um, you know, it, it warms my heart that all these years later, that song has become so iconic because I knew it would. I knew it would. I had to fight for that song because I didn't like it at first. And so did Dean Pitchford. Like he had to like, you know, basically get on his knees and beg her mom and whoever else to like, this is the right song, you know? Wow. wow. I can't, yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't imagine the movie without it. Well, I mean, it's not what Hillary wanted to record as her own singing career was, was mm-hmm. you know, happening. That was just not an edgy enough song for Hillary, mm-hmm. but it was the right song for Lizzie. It was, yeah. the, it was the right song for uh, the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was perfect. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a sucker for a big key change and that Technicolor moment, all that stuff and the, oh. the strings, like all that stuff was stuff that, you know, luckily, my, you know, the arrangers and the songwriter and I were all in sync about what, what it should be. Yeah. When it was Ms. great. When Miss Ungermeyer kicks down by security and gets oh. in there. Sergey, what a moment. The whole moment is so great. I mean, the cast of this movie really is incredible. Yeah, I mean, we we're lucky. Alex Borstein, you know, she can do no wrong. I mean, so much, some of, so much of her stuff, not all of it, but she has little ad libs that are left in there. You know, the junk in the trunk and the, you want a piece of this and all that <laughs> stuff was just ad libbed and we left it in and Disney was fine. And, um, and Brendan Kelly, who plays, you know, the, uh, the, the Sergei, um, you know, he had just come off of Oz where, oh. where he did some nasty things in that <laughs> show, like nasty. And I wanted to cast him in this because he was perfect, but I thought, I don't know, Disney's going to like look at Oz and go. <laughs> yeah. He's the same guy that had that spoon with the rape scenes. Like, maybe not. <laughs> we Come back to rape. Disney. <laughs> Come back to Disney. But, uh, you know, it kept him. he was great in it. Yeah. He was great. He's a sweetheart. He was perfect. He just has that big, sweet Irish face, and all the mm. Russians must be Russian. No, he was great, and he was a joy to work with. And, Oh, yeah. Oh, we love hearing all of this. Seriously. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, there was, oh, I think the last thing we wanted to ask was the documentary, Hillary's Roman Adventure. Yeah. Did you, so did you know kind of throughout the process that you would want to go about a doctor? Like, how did that happen? I don't, I mean, that was just, that was put together by the, you know, there's always like some um, behind the scenes people filming stuff. Mm. I mean, half the time, I, I didn't even know that was happening until it was on the dvd i'm like oh okay yeah it might have just been clips they took along the way it was clips it was not like a an actual documentary i think it was just kind of put together by disney you know they realized they had a lot of behind the scenes stuff and you know i remember asking them back then i wanted to do a uh director's commentary you know why not but they had shoved so much stuff on the dvd there's so many extras and previews and things and not even Lizzie related, that they, that they claimed that there wasn't room enough to add a director's commentary. And I get it. Again, it's a kid's movie. Who cares? But, sure. you know, I, it would have been nice to have a, especially when everything was fresh in my head, to have everything, you know, have some kind of director's commentary. But yeah, maybe oh. someday. Yeah, maybe someday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why these podcasts, this, you know, all these things, I don't know, these are kind of like director's commentary. Things. Yeah. That's so true. That's true. They're keeping it alive. <laughs> Was it, yeah. did you um, meet Haley Duff whenever you were doing the Liz McGuire movie? Because you worked with her then later on. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I met her briefly while when they, her whole family came to Rome when we were shooting. Um, 
and she's lovely. She's great. And then, yeah, when I did the movie called Holiday Engagement, um, Haley was in that, um, and she's great. And um, yeah, no, I, I didn't really get to know her that well when we shot Lizzie, but uh, mm, okay, but, uh, she's a sweetheart. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, nice. Thank you so much, and we hope that the set, the sequel to Trick will be yes soon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me too. I mean, all of it too. I think um, even like the series, the Lizzie McGuire TV series, although I have nothing to do with it and I don't really, you know, like I said, I don't really know the series. It would be nice if it happened. Um, mm. It's too we bad it got so. stuck. I know. But, I uh, mean, I guess it wouldn't have been able to happen right now anyway. So maybe it gives them more time to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. so many people want it to happen. Oh. Yep. So many people. I know. I, I really always want. I always wanted to do a sequel to this. I think this movie would have been a fun movie to make a sequel for. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'd be very fascinated to see how much of the movie they embraced in the TV show. Yeah. You know, I would love her to run into Paolo again, and he's like, I don't know, a barista or whatever he is. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Does anything? <laughs> and they actually fall in love this time because he's he's been knocked down and he's human. You mm -hmm. know. And then they actually fall in love and he's actually a good guy because he's, you know, he, I don't know. I think that could be really cool. That would be cool. Oh. I still just remember being like floored the first time I saw the movie and he can't sing. Like, oh. what? <laughs> my God, it broke my heart. I was like, Paolo, how? <laughs> I know. He's a dog, that yeah. Paolo. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully if it comes back in the sequel, they do something with the movie. Yeah. 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 Oh. Thank oh, you great. so much. Great, thank you. Let me know when it's done. I'd love to listen. Well, stay <laughs> safe. Nice with you guys. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh, you guys. What? Like, how amazing? How great was Jim? That was a dream come true for us. That was, I think, the first time. A lot of the times, like, if we're in an interview, we'll be Grace and I will have our questions ready, kind of go back and forth. This one, I think we looked at the questions maybe twice. Everything else was just like tell us about what dreams are made of. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is so true though. We barely looked at our questions. We just knew the things that we wanted to ask him. And he was so great because he was just already went along with stories that he could have, that he shared himself that we didn't even have to ask about. Uh, next step, Hillary, I think. Oh my God. Hillary, honey. <laughs> Whenever you want, we'd love to chat with you. Oh my God, Jim, if you're listening to this, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for just taking the time. Sitting in your hot car, first of all, that is... Hey, but it had great lighting, and we, you guys heard, we chatted with Jim about how we always record in the car, so we couldn't have related to his situation anymore. Is, especially whenever, I remember when we first started our podcast, we sat in Grace's parking garage, literally dripping in sweat because it was so hot, and then we would take a break, crank the air for a minute, go back. Um, oh, we would drip with sweat. So when Jim, I mean, it was a hot day. He was in the sun. We were, David and I knew inside, we were like, we know what you're feeling. We're going to hurry and wrap this up. Because we really could have talked to him all day. We could have gone for like five to 12 hours. Oh my gosh. But it was so great to hear. I had no idea that they filmed in Vancouver. I didn't know that either. And then I thought that the whole thing about how anytime you don't see Hillary's face, it's not Hillary. Yeah, because of the child labor laws. And I think she was 17. 
I thought she was 15. He, he, the uh, Paolo in the movie was said he's 17, but I think Hillary right. was 15. Yeah. Well, either way, they, they have strict laws for any, anybody who's a child and is um, acting. So that made sense. But you, we told him, we were, so many things that he said, Dave and I were like, Jim, we would have never noticed. No, the only thing that I could, I was like, I'm not going to bring it up unless it somehow comes up was that dreams. Which he loved. Like, oh, he was so great, but we really appreciated that he, he seemed to be okay with how much of fans we were or are. We can come on really strong. I know. We really tried to make sure that we didn't come on too strong, but we just like truly... We truly love that movie so much. Like we, we couldn't hide it. But I think he really enjoyed and could t- and just could feel our love for it. Yeah. Oh, Jim, thank you so much. If you happen to listen to this whole part, because I know we babble on and on, but thank you, thank you. This was amazing. This is what dreams are made of. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please do us a huge favor and go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts give us like a rating five stars is preferred. Um, if it's like, if you're going to leave a one star one, maybe DM us first. We can like talk about it. Yeah. We love to talk things through. We're very, very transparent. We want to be on the same level. We will, we'll figure out what you want us to change. Just DM us. And, um, you can also find us like literally everywhere else. We're on Instagram, Twitter, all the things at BTTB podcast. Our website is www.bttbpodcast.com dot com um we're also we added ourselves to a few more platforms yeah you can hear us now on stitcher and soon if it's not up already you'll be able to hear us on iHeartRadio. yes we're obviously on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud pretty much everywhere else you can listen to podcasts but yeah hopefully we will be on iHeartRadio by now yeah it's not watch them not let us on and then this whole part is crazy God. Um, honestly, though, <laughs> I don't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> okay, we're babbling. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. And you know we'll be back next week. We don't really ever go anywhere. No, especially now. So we would love it if you could join us next week, where we are going to keep taking you. Back to the best. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.